0: welcome to software security chat chat episode 144 for the 23rd of april 2014 i'm here with paul ducklin welcome paul
1: hello chester you are in moscow aren't you
0: i am uh, actually i'm in moscow i'm in, in the little stovepipe at the top of idaho in the northwestern united states at the university of idaho you swiped a few more credit cards did you I did. I I did a demonstration this morning showing uh, some of the ease with which information can be gleaned from the magnetic stripes contained on the back of our credit cards, and actually one of the employees here at the University of Idaho was kind enough to test out his employee ID slash student ID card on the MagStripe reader just to see what was inside, and I won't disclose the details other than to say uh, it's not encoded much.
1: So you've got free photocopying for life, have you?
0: <laughs> Probably, yes, and and access to parts of the building that I never imagined I would have access to, so I think uh you know, looking at the stories for the week uh while I've been traveling, one that kind of rises to the top that was interesting to me uh it always is interesting to all of our listeners and readers on naked security, it seems is when there's malware for the iPhone, or in this case, I guess ios and what what the heck is baby panda unflawed I mean i when I started reading this, I was for a minute, I thought you'd typoed
1: unflod uh, is simply the name of the file in which it comes it's a, a shared library a dot file uh, and the speculation i've heard is that the reason it's called unflod is that there is a legitimate library called unfold perhaps the crooks are hoping that if you go looking and you see unflod you won't notice the spieling mistake
0: yeah this is sort of the old explorers.exe trick something
1: like that uh, but the baby panda I think that was just to be cutesy-poo, Chester.
0: So what does this thing do if it gets on your iPhone? Like, uh, I mean, Unflawed and Baby Panda aren't very descriptive as to what's going to happen to me if I'm infected.
1: The good news is, for most iOS users, there's very little risk. If you're not jailbroken, this thing can't get onto your phone. Uh, It actually uses a thing called the Mobile Substrate, or Cydia Substrate, which is a kind of programming layer Commonly found on jailbroken devices that allow you to extend the functionality in ways that Apple don't approve of. In fact, you could use the hooks that Mobile Substrate gives you to write a a real time and on access antivirus. But you can also use it, as in this case, for evil. Uh, And what the crooks have done is they insert this shared library, which modifies the behavior of SSL write. So they get to peek inside what's going to be sent out encrypted. Before it actually gets encrypted. Uh, and they watch out for attempts to connect to Apple sites and do Apple authentication, grab the credentials and send them off to a pair of hard coded IP addresses. So it's very small and simple. Um, unfortunately, if you've got it, then you don't know where your credentials have gone.
0: So this kind of comes back to 2FA again, which is their after Apple credentials, which clearly have monetary value, you can buy music, you can buy apps, you can do lots of things with Apple credentials financially, right? So if you're not using Apple's two-factor authentication and you've jailbroken your device, you definitely could be at risk. I guess it's kind of silly in a way, though. It almost seems like if you're jailbroken and you're using things like Cydia, that the whole purpose of that is not to use your Apple ID, in which case you might not harvest very many credentials.
1: The other sort of silver lining, if you like, is Nobody seems to know quite what dodgy application installs this library that gets left behind. So A, that's an indication that it's not terribly widespread, and B, it's an indication that even if you go looking for it, it's hard to uncover. So it's probably not going to be a huge threat. But it's just there as a kind of warning. If you're going to jailbreak, then you can't just go installing any old stuff uh, and expect you're going to be OK. Because the whole idea of jailbreaking is to open up your phone to new possibilities. And unfortunately, those possibilities include password-stealing malware like this.
0: Yeah, and I guess uh, to praise Apple for once, I'd like to pick on them for not having a consistent update schedule and things. But they've done a really good job at locking down iOS. And if you do stay within their parameters, uh, it's largely safe. And once again, the once in a great while that something malicious pops up for iOS, it only works if you've stepped off the ranch. So, speaking of mobile security, we also have a story about the Samsung Galaxy S5, of course, uh, playing a bit of keep up with Apple, having a fingerprint authentication option similar to the iPhone 5S, I believe it is, that uh, they introduced it on the iPhone. Didn't take long to break that, did it? Uh, Much, even faster than I guess the, the iPhone fingerprint scanner went down.
1: Four days, I think, from the much vaunted release of the S5, what these Galaxy hackers did is they actually dusted off a fake fingerprint made with wood glue that they had prepared when they were having a go at the iPhone 5S last October. And uh, lo and behold, once they'd cleaned it up a bit, it just worked. Which does highlight one of those problems with biometric authentication. If it turns out not to be good enough, or if it turns out that your fingerprint's compromised and someone's got that wood glue impression of it, how do you
0: change it? This is true with a lot of different biometric things, right? I mean, I've seen people saying, uh, you know, iris scanning and retina scanning and all these different things. And and that really is the problem, isn't it? I mean, if that data is acquired, stolen, left behind, uh, there's just a million different uh, concerns with it. And, uh, you know, in this particular circumstance, I don't really understand the cost-benefit ratio, if you will. Well, and continuing with the theme of mobile security, uh, there was some more accusations about information leaking from the WhatsApp program, which is a company that was bought by Facebook recently that kind of supposes to replace uh, SMSs and texts and stuff. (laughs) That was very gently put, Chester. (laughs) You mean Facebook paid
1: 19,000 million US dollars for it?
0: Yeah, it seemed to be a pretty lucrative deal for the WhatsApp team.
1: You think they'd care a bit more about security then? if they've got that much money rolling around.
0: Well, you wrote a couple of weeks ago about the WhatsApp team getting the hair on the back of their neck up a bit on, on the security topic, saying how much they value security and how invested they are in security and how that's not going to change.
1: And indeed, how uh, respect for your privacy is coded into their DNA. That was what their CEO claimed. And maybe he believes it, um, but it doesn't seem to translate into practice, sadly.
0: So well, strangely, what I'm seeing is almost the opposite. In that, Facebook has had quite a good rep, uh, reputation when it comes to the actual security of the data they hold. Uh, you know, people disagree with their privacy policies and their terms of service and lots of other things. But from a security perspective, Facebook has been very responsive. They've got a bug bounty program, you know, all this kind of thing. And now that the you know WhatsApp is part of Facebook, it looks like WhatsApp's a lot worse than Facebook.
1: Absolutely, and of course, when the news broke last year about how much intelligence agencies love leaky apps because it means they don't need to bother cracking encryption codes if they can just read stuff in the clear because you've chosen unwisely in the software that you're using. Uh, Everyone was up in arms about that. Oh gosh, they're reading all my stuff. How terrible. Uh, And then the flip side is people going, well, okay, I gave away my location. Why should I care? I was planning to give it away anyway.
0: This whole thing bothered me uh, as much about just kind of an amateur hour kind of mistake. It shows that nobody even tried. I mean, if you're writing an app, you should be sniffing your app's communications to test whether everything is in fact encrypted properly and what it's communicating where and ensuring that you're not just leaking information out the side door and leaving it wide open. I mean, this is really a blatantly obvious thing. Anybody that even tried to look at it would find this, and that's pretty sad.
1: Yes, I guess the good news is WhatsApp's going to fix this. But this is the third time that I'm aware of that they've had a cryptographic disaster. In other words, they seem continually to try and reinvent things in a way that they could have avoided having to invent anything at all. They could have done it right by just putting an S after the letters HTTP.
0: Yeah, they could take a page from the CryptoLocker guys who use the Microsoft Crypto API to encrypt your data when they steal it. You know, because, hey, it's a library and it's there and it works and I don't need to know anything about crypto. I can just use it.
1: So let's hope that Facebook leans on the WhatsApp crew a little bit. They've spent enough money. You think that what they'd say would go. And uh, let's hope that some of Facebook's actual programmatic attitudes to security, if not their legalistic ones, actually rub off on WhatsApp and that they start shaping up with their app. And let's hope that this is a kind of warning to other creators of mobile apps that's the real problem is that with this, whether you intended to tell the world your location data or not, the fact that there's this, as you say, amateur hour broken promise in the app does raise this really worrying question. How much should we trust mobile apps? They seem to be 10, 15 years behind the security game, and that's not good enough.
0: Yeah, it is pretty bad. And and sometimes even when things are are written in pretty plain wording, it can take a little while to, uh, to get through. I mean, as what happened at uh, Lacey, the external hard drive manufacturer, their online store w- had a cold fusion vulnerability that was exploited by crooks to steal credit cards. So unlike the MagStripe stuff I've been talking about here at the conference in, in Idaho, this case was the actual back end server being vulnerable where they could actually intercept the credit cards when they were being used in their online store. I guess Brian Krebs told them about this last year sometime. Like they were compromised a long time. If Brian Krebs calls you up
1: and says, hey, listen, you know, got bad news for you, but your data's showing up where it shouldn't, then you probably want to take that seriously. Because it seems here that even when they went looking, they couldn't find what had happened. And now they've been forced to admit, yeah, actually, we were pwned and we were pwned long and hard. One wonders how many other companies were on. Krebs' list, and uh,
0: how many more long-term data breach stories are going to come spilling out over the next few months. There was a little bit of good news in this, and that I did like the fact that rather than try to fix the bug and potentially be unsure, you know, whether there was anything further malicious planted in their online store code, etc., after the compromise, that at least they just said, you know what, we're going to take the online store down until we can rebuild it as part of the Seagate brand and just no online sales from here forward. And, you know, that is at least putting their customers first from that perspective in that now that they've acknowledged the problem, they're not going to introduce further risk about how badly they were owned and and just kind of start with a clean slate, which I I wish a lot of other organizations would consider.
1: That can't have been an easy decision to make, but at least they took it.
0: Yeah. Um, And and the last story I want to talk about this week is the Canada Revenue Agency. Uh, we, We discussed this in a previous podcast about Uh, the heartbleed vulnerability, and how uh, 900-plus Canadian social insurance numbers, which are kind of a national ID number similar to an American social security number, uh, were accidentally leaked through the vulnerability in a tax system that was exposed.
1: Allegedly, they weren't accidentally leaked. They were deliberately acquired by somebody. And when the Mounties went looking for his IP number, lo and behold, he turned out to be just down the road. Unfortunately for him, I guess, he's only 19, should have known better though. uh They went round to his house and there he was, and so he's been arrested.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, we don't know for sure, and we don't know the details, and of course, we don't know whether he's guilty or not, but. Um, It does not appear that he's part of an organized crime ring that was focused on identity theft and this type of thing, which is probably the best news to come out of it for the victims in this case. I mean, it's never good to have your information stolen, but the fact that it it looks more like mischief than any kind of truly mass-scale organized crime type of thing, right?
1: It does. I agree with that.
0: It's unlikely these people are going to find out that there's going to be a boat purchased under their name or something like that, so um maybe a little bit of breathing easier for the victims although they should still take advantage of things like credit monitoring etc that are being offered to them to be sure that nothing further uh, happens with that information
1: let's assume that his motivation wasn't terribly bad and that you know he's not he's just a naughty boy rather than really a cyber crook etc cetera, etc cetera. it's not as though the mounties can just sit back and say we're not going to do anything you know, they're duty-bound to find out what happened and to take the appropriate action.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, if history's any indicator, uh, in Canada at least sentences have a tendency to be more sane. Uh, usually you don't see people doing nine years' hard time for hacking in Canada. Uh, the judges are pretty sensible about looking at all the circumstances and providing an appropriate sentence.
1: Well, as you say, he's not guilty yet, Chester. But if all they had to do was check his IP number and go around to his dad's house... I wouldn't want to be in his shoes.
0: No, no, definitely not. On that note, we'll conclude Sophos Security Chat Chat 144. As always, for all the latest security news, please visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. And for all of our podcasts and audio content, you can go to soundcloud.com slash Security. And until next time, stay secure.